Today's Musar lesson is on the trait of silence. The trait of silence. Yeah. Melanie told me, she goes, maybe I should teach a class today. Now, there's two, there's two sides to this. The, obviously, the, the, the most obvious one is uh, an individual's ability to know when to speak and not to speak. Uh, it has to do with Lush and Hora, but not just Lush and Hora. It's, it's useless words. Useless words can uh, create all kinds of problems. And we all know the, the, the common theme. Silence is golden. We see it in the theaters all the time. Uh, you can't ever get in trouble by something you don't say. It's better just to leave it unsaid and, and move on. There's another component to this that I would like to bring up in the class, is that uh, psychologists are increasingly aware of the harmful effects of noise on the uh, cognition and health of an individual, which I really didn't realize that. But they're realizing that we're in an ever-so-active environment and airplanes and trains and cars and automobiles, and they say that that uh, that is having an effect on the brain's ability to recoup and recover, which I didn't understand. It, they said it can increase, uh, increase your ability to m- remember more if you take one or two hours a day of silence. Now, I don't know in this world how you can do it unless you have head, like earmuffs on or something, right? <clears throat> But very much so, and, and you know, after doing this study, I mean, this morning I got up about 2.30 because I can't sleep with two boys in the same bed with me who are kicking me in the ribs. And so I got up, huh? Yeah, right. I got up, and I said, well, then I'm awake. So I went outside, and I, I laid on the, on the lounger and just relaxed in the quiet with the bugs. And it was so, so nice. And I told my wife this morning, I said, that's something I need to do on a regular basis. Just get out, relax, and do that. Now, there is a spectrum that we're going to talk about when it talks about the art of silence. And that is, um, there's, I guess we say that there's two, two levels or two areas. One is a lack of helpful speech, and one is hurtful speech, Lashonhara, right? So we have the spectrum. One is a lack of helpful speech, and the other is a lack of hurtful speech. Silence is a balance between the two. Now, what would we say is hurtful speech? I mean, a lack of helpful speech. Did you say a lack of harmful speech? A lack of helpful. I meant okay, helpful. Yeah, hurtful speech is the opposite I, side. I, know, but I thought you said a lack of hurtful Yeah, I did. I, I said that wrong. Yeah, lack of helpful speech and hurtful speech. Thank you for the correction. <laughs> I'm sorry. Proving my, what I was talking about earlier. <laughs> um, like many, I was raised with the idea that if you mean well, whatever you say, it's got to be okay. Musar teaches that this is not the case. Rather, we need to consider the impact of our words. We know this already. If we hurt someone else with our speech, good intentions do not absolve us of our responsibility to make things right. Now, we've already seen this concept when we're practicing truth. We had the class on truth. Uh, Sometimes it's good to withhold truth 
if you think it's going to hurt somebody. And what, what was the, what was the, uh, the, the maxim on telling someone truth was that if they're not ready to receive it, what's the point? And if you don't have relationship with them, it's something that we should just mind our own business. And, you know, one of the big things that we've learned in having our in-laws in, in, in the family and children when they grow older is to not nose in their business. And it's very difficult. As parents, you want to try to help them out. But sometimes your advice can be very hurtful, especially if you don't think that they're making muster. And, and you have to withhold things, and it's very difficult. We've already seen this concept in many of our classes. Just because it is true, it does not mean it is right to say it, especially if the words will hurt another without uh, discernible benefit in the world. Now, that is the big question. Is there real benefit to what you're going to say? And I would say the vast majority of the things that we say have no benefit. Have no benefit. Now, mind you, we all sort of feel the need that we need to say something, especially in a conversation, or to be nice and polite. All those are good. Uh, we're not talking about walking around morose, no emotions, no conversation. Uh, and it's, it's very easy sometimes, I think, to think that, you know, I just say nothing to anyone and I'll, I'll be okay. Well, that's, that's too radical. It was funny, yesterday I got in the elevator or Friday, I got in the elevator at the doctor's office, and there was a boy with a grandmother. He looked about 12, and he had a gap written on his shirt right here. And I said, hey, gap is your name? My name's Rod. And he turned really red. He goes, hi. And she goes, this is funny. You're the second guy that said that to him today, right? I mean, what a chance of that. So the whole idea is like, you got to break the, break the, what do you call it, uh, ice in an elevator for sure. And that's beautiful and good. But the goal of soul trade is to bring mindfulness to when we speak and to cultivate quiet as, as a way of both quiet, uh, to quiet the mind and to connect with the beauty of the world. Too little silence is hurtful speech. Too much silence loses an opportunity to bring good into the world, i.e. speaking against injustice. There are times when we do need to speak against injustice in the world. Uh, the idea would be uh, abortion. There's a time to say this is, this is inappropriate. It's not working. There's a phrase that you all have heard, that silent waters run deep. And we all want to be someone that is a more deeper, introspective, wise person. If any of you have had personal conversations with Rabbi Greenbaum, I think that most of you guys at least have had a, a chat with him. He's very careful about every word he says. Have you noticed that? I mean, he, he doesn't waste any words. And oftentimes, uh, when I ask him a question, there's a long pause, and then he, he will carefully choose every word that he says as he's saying it. And there have been times that I've asked him a question that he would say, you know, I need to think about that for a while. And I think so many of us, and I'm, I'm in this category, I feel like I have to give an answer immediately. If someone says, hey, what about this or that? I have to give an answer. And it's all right to not have an answer. It's all right to not have an opinion about something. Now, does that mean that I don't have opinion just because I don't give you an opinion? No, most of the time we all have an opinion, right? 
The best thing, though, is to, to not, do, uh, not to make those opinions. Now, here's a few uh, tactics that um, I've observed years and years about silence. And some of these have to come with going to meetings and business, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, don't commit to a decision or an option until you have backup uh, looked, uh, you have your backup locked into place. I get the problem. I need some time to form an opinion. It's all right to say, I, I just don't have an opinion right now. Um, not every email that you read needs to be responded to immediately. Right? Not every Facebook post you see needs to be responded to immediately. They're, they actually have an email service now that where you have five seconds after you send it to retrieve it. I, I, that would be helpful for some people, right? But how many horror stories have we heard in the early years of email in the office where you attach it and it ends up going to everybody and you admit it to go to one and it got to the president of the company? That would be very embarrassing. How many times have we got roped into non-essential conversation that ended up in Lashonara? At first it was like just innocent, non and I'm going to tell you, I still, I, you guys can maybe share with me, but I still have a difficult time dividing that line between helpful speech and Lashon Hara. Some of you guys have probably perfected. Darla, uh, Carla is one of those people that doesn't say a whole lot, and she seems to like never has that problem. And I always feel intimidated by her because she's like, She's very careful about her words, and she's just that way. I really appreciate that about her. And yet, it's so hard when you're talking about a situation, where do you draw the line on what is negative speech? You know, I realize if, it's, if it doesn't benefit anybody, then what's the point? And I think it comes down to, if it's beneficial to the individual that I am talking to, as in their danger, their well-being, whatever, then sure, it's all right to say something about it. If, if you know that you're getting ready to do business dealings with someone that's a little shady, it's all right to say, hey, don't do this deal. This is not a, re- a very good deal. And, and really, it's, it's just better to just keep silent in many cases. Um, there, is a, there are certain, there, there are certain, uh, Certain job forms, or, or, uh, what do you call it, um, certain practices, skill practices, that require people to talk more than others. Uh, if you're around engineer types, uh, they tend to be a little bit more quiet and working on their work, and they don't like a whole lot of noise because it requires them to be able to focus. Uh, if you talk to people who are uh, comedians and public speakers, they tend to talk more than other people. Um, Here's another one. If you're ever in a meeting or a class, this is hard. Ever in a meeting to class, here's an example of just it's a good time to be silent. Where you want to say something in the middle of a class and raise your hand and say, I want to say something. But you're only parroting exactly. None of you guys do this here. Okay, so I'm not accusing you guys. But you only are parroting what the teacher's saying. Does it make sense? You're only saying the same thing he's saying, just in another way. Not with clarification, but you just want people to hear that you have something to say like he does. That's speaking when you should stay silent. Right? Yes, sir.
Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So here, here would be a good example. Here would be a good example, exactly what you just said. Here's a good example. You posed it as, here's the possibility, uh, is this what you are talking about, and how can you better explain that? I think it's a great idea. I, I don't disagree with that at all. As a matter of fact, some people in class might say, hey, you said this, what does this mean? I, can you clarify it a little bit better? There's, that's a difference in that question than somebody wanting to bloviate in a class. You understand the difference? You've been, look, you've been a teacher for how long? And you know there are students out there that love to just mouth off and say stuff and talk about stuff that they don't really know what they're talking about. Yes, ma'am? Okay. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's take for a moment and think about some fun stories. We have time. Uh, where silence won, where it was best that you just didn't say anything. Just think about it for a little bit. When somebody's in your face. Mm-hmm. I mean, nurses get it all the time. Right? So someone's in your face, aggressive, saying something, aggressive right? Aggressive and doing whatever. Right? You know. It's better to... Just listen to them and what have you. I mean, if you do have to say something, you simply say, how can I help you now? Right. And shut up. And try to de-escalate it. That's absolutely perfect. Yes, sir. Right. 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 No, exactly. Uh, it, but, and, and it has huge dividends to, to do that, but I'm going to tell you, it's not easy, especially if you are being insulted. I, I remember one time going to a gun show, and I think I've told this story before. I went to a gun show, and I had my son with me, Michael, and there was a, a, a gun on the, on the thing, and I picked it up, and the guy behind the counter goes, can you read? I'm like, yeah, I can read. He goes, and it says, do not touch the property. Well, the gun was sitting in such a way, I, it was under the, over the thing, so when I, I put it, so as I'm going to put it down, he goes, jeez, you people, right? Right, it was so condescending and rude, especially in front of my son, that every part of me wanted to punch him in the throat or say something really back, if you understand, and I just swallowed my pride and we walked off. That was the hardest thing to do because, you know, I, I would love to say, dude, you are so stinking rude. There was no need for Like I could have gotten to an argument about the whole thing. He, was he right? Yes, he was right. But he didn't have to be rude. But would I have won by saying anything? No, I would. He would have probably made him more angry. Uh, yes. Right. 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 Absolutely. That's very good. So the so the idea is uh, attitude of listening. 
has much more benefits. And, and in, in reading through the, the text and reading through the information and also going through just different articles in, in psychology, you understand there's so much to benefit by being a better listener than you are a speaker. God gave us two ears and one mouth. And that's why it's better to, to listen and to observe and hear what's going on. It is amazing how much you can resolve in not allowing your emotions to get involved. One of the ways that, that makes it difficult for us to stay silent is to not have an emotional reaction to everything another person says. It's important that we all reserve the right to not be emotionally switched on by something other people say. It's just words. So we need to reserve the right to just say, I'll listen, see what's going on, and if I can contribute in a way to fix the problem, I will, but if I can't, I shrug my shoulders and move on. When you listen to others with a real attitude of listening, you will understand the situation much better to resolve the recommended solutions. Have you ever been having a conversation with someone and they don't know how to have a, uh, what do you call it, a uh, like a tennis match in a conversation? Both contribute to the conversation? So if you're saying anything, they're thinking of what they want to say next that has nothing to do with what you're saying, right? That is an issue. It's an issue because how can you relate to someone if you don't listen to where they're at in the conversation? I remember sharing a long car ride with someone. Wow, beautiful rain. A long car ride with someone that for four hours this person talked and I tried occasionally to interject something to sort of enjoy the conversation. Never. This guy stayed right on focus with what he wanted to say for four hours. Right? And my daughter's in the back seat, sends me a text and goes, would you like these two pencils to jab in your ears? <laughs> but the point is, is I didn't mind staying silent, but it's hard for four hours to just listen to someone go on. But I realized it was just best to just not say anything else. And just listen and drive on. Uh, <laughs> I tried. Trust me. I tried. You're like, you ain't going to go to sleep on me, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Probably, you know, I, I probably could have fell asleep and he wouldn't have known. <laughs> um, another, another benefit to silence is that it gives you an opportunity to to quiet your mind and have a mind that is at peace, the best solutions come to you when you're silent. We don't get solutions when we're, when we're yapping and talking. And that's why I want to challenge you guys, and I'm going, to, I'm going to accept the same challenge, to learn to spend time in quiet. It's very difficult in this age to do that. I, I'm a music person. I love listening to music all the time. And so to sit in silence is, can be, I don't know, it can be challenging. Um, being silent helps you to know yourself better. How does that count? How does that work? You, yeah, and you're not being distracted by other things. You're, you're internalizing. You're starting to say, okay, why am I this way? Don't want... Precisely. Some people like, and all of us, enjoy being distracted because we don't have to, to deal with ourselves. This is the reason why that many uh, young people today who are constantly playing video games and music and internet and all that stuff can become social Neanderthals because they don't know how to interact. 
right? Their brain is constantly being fired, and it's hard to interact. That's why it's good for parents to get them out in a social environment to do things. Um, it improves our clarity of thought, uh, which again helps us in many situations in daily life to make a better decision. To be able to say, I'm going to hear what's going on and then I'll respond to it, but I'm not going to respond to it in an emotional manner. If I think I'm going to be emotional because I'm insulted or something they've said may have keyed me, then I need to really stay silent. It's just better to not say something. Uh, have you ever spoken to someone that when they said, when you said something, they turned it around and twisted it on you to make it sound like that you were being caustic or you know toxic? And you go, I didn't mean that at all, right? Now, maybe it was the tone of voice or whatever, but that usually goes because the person's not listening, right? And if we happen to be the person that constantly feels offended by people, what people are saying, maybe we're not listening well enough. I think sometimes it's easier to uh, stop for a second and hear what they're saying and then process and ask, does this contain truth? Are they truthful about it? If it's painful, I can deal with the pain. Now, we all talk about not insulting and causing pain on other people, but not too many care about what they're going to do to you. But at the same time, if we're mature, spiritual individuals, we're looking for an opportunity to have tacoon, to have repair in our life. And so even the worst insults, we can take it at some level. I mean, you think of Rabbi Akiva, they're calming his flesh off of his body. And he was thinking, this is a great time for me to say the Shema and really mean it. <laughs> who, who derives benefit from that level of torture? At the same time, if we could look at life and realize that when people say things to us that are unchecked and unfiltered and it insults us, you need to ask yourself, does this contain truth? And if it does, what am I going to do to, to make it uh, a better situation? Let's look at the, um, a study on the structure of the brain and function. What's that? The nurse? The structure of the brain? In 2013, there was a study that, that, that journaled brain structure and function using different types of noises and silence and monitored the effect of sound and silence had on the brains. The silence was intended to be the control in the study, but what they found was surprising. They meant the silence to be the control factor and say, we're going to see what the noise does, but in reality, what the silence was was mind-boggling. The scientists discovered that when they were exposed to two hours of silence per day, they developed new cells in the hippocampus, which is amazing. The hippocampus is a region of the brain associated with memory, emotion, and learning. So think about this. We wonder why we have road rage. We wonder why we get irritated and you know, upset about situations. We're not giving time for our brain to reset. Of late, we've been talking about this idea of intermittent fasting and how important it is to cause our bodies to re regenerate and the value of it. But now we're realizing the brain is the same way. Sometimes we need to fast from noise, fast from distractions. It says that the growth of new cells in the brain does not necessarily translate to tangible health benefits. However, in this instance, researchers say that the cells appear to become more functioning neurons. 
So it just would amount to better, clearer, and more cogent thought process, which I find fascinating. Um, so the quote is, it says, that we saw that silence is really helping uh, to, to generate uh, new cells, to do different neurons, and integrate into the brain system. In the sense, silence can quite literally grow your brain. Brain is actively internalized and evaluated information during silence. Now, in 2001, a study defined that the default mode of the brain function that showed that even when the brain was resting, it was perpetually active, internalizing and evaluating information. Constantly works like a computer. Follow-up research found that the default mode is also used during the process of self-reflection. In 2013, Frontiers in the Human Neuroscience, Joseph Moran wrote that the brain's default mode network is observed most closely during psychological tasks of reflecting on one's personalities and character, self-reflection, rather than during self-recognition, thinking of self-concepts or talking about self-esteem, for example. When the brain rests, it is able to integrate internal and external information into conscious workspace. And Moran and his colleagues uh, had discovered. So the idea is this. We, we've no ancient practice of meditation. And we've, we've heard about the ancient practice of Kabbalah where you said and meditate on the names of Hashem. Maybe it's time in this busy world that we live to learn to be more silent and to learn to meditate, to learn the benefit of being able to bring that, that silence back into our life so that we are healthier, so that we are psychologically healthier, and also spiritually more healthy. How could we ever hear Hashem speak to us from His Torah if we're too busy yapping and talking about, or keeping our mind busy with stuff that's not germane to prosperity in life? When you're not distracted by noise or go-oriented tasks, there appears to be a quiet time that allows our conscious consciousness or our conscious workspace to process things. During these silent periods, your brain has the freedom it needs to discover its place in your internal and external world. The default mode helps you think about profound things in imaginative ways. Herman Melville wrote this, All profound things and emotions of things are preceded by and attended by silence. Silence is absolutely golden. Silence relieves stress and tension. If you want to, uh, if you're really stressed or upset about something, it's good to go take a walk. Go get in the car. I don't know if you guys have ever done it, but the, you know the state park, the park that we went to, Lake Houston Park, for the uh, Shavuot, was it Shavuot? Sukkot. Man, that is like an amazing place to go. Just drive, park your car, just go walk around. Absolutely quiet, no planes, nothing. It's, it's absolutely amazing. It has been found that noise have pronounced physical effect on our brains result in, in elevated levels of stress hormones. The sound waves reach the brain as electrical signals. Via the ear, the body reacts to these signals, attempting to process what they hear. I, I have noticed... And it's interesting, I told someone the other day that I live in a neighborhood where there are no insects and frogs, right? Remember in the country, right? I put security cameras up at the house, and they all have microphones on them. And I turned them on, 
And I was like, what in the world is that? I tuned them out. I, have, I was so accustomed, I tuned them out. I was like, we have insects. It's the craziest thing. And so this morning when I got out and was laying out there before sunset, sunrise, I could hear all these bugs. And I was, I was like, how in the world could I have blanked that out of my mind? You know how? Because I was too busy listening to all the other clutter in the world. And, and, and this morning was just such a, a pragmatic example of slowing down and taking time to hear and listen. It's amazing what you can hear imaginatively if you just take time to listen. There is more information on the, on the psychological effect and science of, of silence in the brain and also being able to know that it's all right not to feel pressure to say anything. Just not feel like you have to react to any situation. I'm praying that as, as a community, as we grow together, that we all begin to learn how to profit from not only knowing when and when not to speak and how to speak, but also to appreciate the quietness, uh, to reduce stress and to reduce the clutter of our mind, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I really do believe that when we do proactive measures like this, we have benefit. I know that I've been the example over the last couple of, couple of months. I have not felt well, but I've noticed that you take time to, to take silent time, quiet time. It is amazing how it sort of rebuilds your, your, your system. And also, you, your mind doesn't get cluttered with stuff that's not important. And thank God he gives us these great tools. Not only are you going to be a wiser person by not speaking when you're not supposed to, but people will perceive uh, the great wisdom of Torah in you. So that concludes this lesson. Any discussion or any comments, now would be a good time. Yes.